Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm your guest bailiff, Paul F. Tompkins, and today we're clearing out the docket. Clearing out the docket. Are you ready for your first letter, Judge Hodgman? No, I am not ready, Paul, because I want to say hello to you, my friend, Paul F. Tompkins. Thank you for joining once again as guest bailiff on this program. Oh, hello. You know, after last week, I had a lot of time to think about whether or not I wanted to return to the program. Sure. I talked it over with my wife, with my pastor, with my lawyer, with the town elders, and of course, the Magic 8-Ball. And now I'm back once again for more of whatever this is. Outcome is unclear. <laughs> Reply hazy. Try again later. What, what, what does later mean to the Magic 8-Ball? <laughs> He's busy right now. Is it a second later or is it days later? I think uh, at that point, anything is later. He's just put it off once again. Mm. I'm referring to the genie of the Magic 8-Ball, and because I'm a chauvinist, I'm presuming it is a he. I apologize. <laughs> uh, Paul, for those who did not listen last week, and also to maintain... The timeless quality of this podcast, which avoids too many callbacks. Oh, no, that's wrong. It's only callbacks. <laughs> uh, will, you, uh, will you allow me to remind everyone that Paul is a comedian, uh, actor, uh, podcaster, and broadcaster extraordinaire, host of the Spontanea Nation podcast, which is an amazing comedy podcast that Paul F. Tompkins hosts, as I just said. Uh, and it, it has it has a monthly live show component as well at Largo at the Coronet once every month. You've seen him all over uh, television in your famous Paul Thomas Anderson movies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Paul F. Tompkins. Hi, everyone who can't hold, respond. Hold for applause. <laughs> Please oh. take your seats. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's my line. But we can all <laughs> sit down now because here we are in chambers where we are going to clear the docket, Paul. I know that you, you've listened to the podcast from time to time, but I will explain it to you. That way, the people who don't know what I'm talking about, I don't have to single them out and make them feel dumb. They can hear exactly. it and say, oh. Uh, normally, we have people uh, call in uh, flawlessly over the internet to, <laughs> to, to discuss uh, the, their disputes in their lives, and I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Sometimes, it's just me and regular bailiff Jesse Thorne or guest bailiff like yourself sitting here in my incredibly comfortable virtual chambers uh, discussing quite a few uh, quite a few cases that uh, we can sort of uh, solve without having to talk to other people. Yeah. So, does that sound all right to you, Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, John, if we can eliminate people from this equation, meaning Earth, altogether, I'm happy. Well, podcasts are a good step. <laughs> John, are you ready for this first letter? Now I finally am. Emily writes... You've previously made a ruling on voicemail etiquette between siblings. The brother in that case would never leave a voicemail message when he called. I have the opposite problem with my older sister. She will always leave a message, usually something like, hey, it's me, call me back with no further information. I love an opposite problem. Uh, It's fun, right? It's great. It's an op prob. It gives me something to build on. I'm not starting out fresh. Yeah, it's like you're on a bizarro world. To me, this is just a waste of time. Since I know her and love her dearly, of course I will call her back when I see that I have missed a call from her, no matter what the circumstance. I would even call back sooner if I didn't have to listen to and erase her message. I have explained this to her hundreds of times. She thinks that I will forget to call her back unless the message is left, although I cannot think of one instance where this has happened. Please help me escape the annoying voicemail lady once and for all. And now many exclamation points? Uh, Three. Three at the end. Well, I hope you don't mind throw, my throwing a little sauce on it. No, no, I enjoy it very much indeed. It was a very dramatic letter. It was an incredible imitation of Emily. <laughs> uh, Paul, before I give you my opinion, let's, let me just acknowledge that you and I are friends and we communicate with some frequency, usually via text message. Full disclosure, we, yes. Because we both agree that talking on the phone is dumb and terrible for the yes. most part, right? Yes. So, now, and John, may I say, yeah. there was a time when I used to love talking on the phone, mm-hmm. but as as cellular technology uh, continues apace, it seems to get worse and worse. And or maybe it's just that the the other means of communication are so convenient 
Um, uh, you can get out uh, very quick information that doesn't require a whole conversation. Um, that is, we've become so dependent on that. But I, I remember I used to really love talking on the phone, but I, I think that cellular technology is such that right. it's never quite the same as it used to be in the old landline days. I know. This is, this is one of those situations where technological advancement has really resulted in reduced quality. Mm-hmm. And obviously it is incredibly incredibly convenient to be able to talk on the phone let's say uh while driving in a car at fast speed with young children in the car who rely on you to be alert to keep them alive yes that is convenient but it does not it does not in any way replicate both the clarity and frankly pleasure of a landline conversation of your yeah when you are talking to a bud over copper wire mm-hmm. and there and it was i mean the only thing that would rival that for pure pleasure and communicative efficiency would be talking over a chat program on the internet that's the only thing and let's say skype for example yes right anyway um yes so we don't really talk on the phone that much and voicemail itself has uh, become something of a vestigial object these days how do you feel about this case before I weigh in with my dumb thoughts. I will say that the message that says, hey, give me a call with no information is maybe the thing I hate on earth the most. I cannot stand when people do that. And especially when someone in my family, one of my sisters does it. And of course, my first thought is someone has died. That's why they didn't leave. That's why there was no information. Someone is dead and you can't leave. You can't leave that in a voicemail. And I hate it. I really hate it. There's a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, John, whose name I will not say on the air. And maybe he knows who he is if he's listening to this, mm-hmm. who is notorious for doing that. Hey, it's me. Give me a call. Why don't you tell me what it's about? Just say that you're 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 two thirds of the way there. If you're going to commit to leaving a voice message, just also say, I want to talk to you about this thing that apparently requires a conversation. Now, that said, Paul, and that and having established that you and I both do not love to talk on the phone via cell. Mm -hmm. uh, How did you feel about the fact that I was on the road with my vacation land tour and bored? (laughs) And not and had no one else in the car, so only my own life at stake. And I used my hands-free system within the car to call and leave you an extremely long voicemail message, full well, of information that was not meaningful to you at all. John, apparently that was not just hands-free, but also microphone-free because I could barely make out what you were saying. Is that it's, so? Yes, it sounded like you were calling from the International Space Station. Well, it was, the connection was so bad that I did not bother calling back. I was like, no, I'm, I'm just not going to I'm not going to deal with this in real time. Um, it was a terrible, so, terrible connection. So does that mean you don't know that that person we both know has died? Uh, oh, no. That must have been a dropout. That's not true. That's not true. No, I was just calling. I was just calling to lard up your uh, your uh, your your cell phone's memory with some well wishes and hellos and musings of my own. I do not mind saying, that. I do not mind that at all because I was I was in my car as well and I listened to that while I was driving. And uh, even the, despite the terrible connection, I could make out what you were saying, and uh, it helped uh, pass the time a little bit in a, in a not unpleasant way. Well, I just uh, I just listened to Spontaneous Nation and I needed to tell you how much I enjoyed it. But so here's what I'm saying, Paul. Your assessment of the situation is is mostly right. <laughs> insofar as it confirms with my own opinion mm-hmm. uh the voicemail uh for purposes of leaving a a long meandering message to which you res- you require no response that's okay mm-hmm. if you require a response then you should write an email or a text message but if it's just like hey i was just thinking of you and i wanted to say to you with my voice uh i enjoy your podcast spontaneous nation or something else I think that that's a, I enjoy getting those voicemails and that's sure that's a piece of content that is being given to me for free. And there's nothing expected of me for listening, having listened to it, but as a means of communication that, uh, or initiating communication or contact voicemail is profoundly vestigial. Now I am not necessary anymore. I would say that calling, I, I didn't, it didn't occur to me until you said it, Paul. And so I'm enlightened in this way that you're right. If someone says, hi, it's me, call me back. 
to me, that's the end. It never occurred to me to think that someone had died. But it's true that it's true that that could cause a lot of anxiety. To me, the equal anxiety uh, would be uh, conjured by a voicemail where no message is left. Do you know what I mean? Where yes. someone tries to reach you, doesn't reach you, there's no message. Now it's like, what's going on? What, what, why do you need to reach me? All options facing uh, Emily and her sister are bad because a blank voicemail message is anxiety producing. Hey, it's me. Call me back. I now understand is equally anxiety producing. Never mind, time consuming. And so the only acceptable option, I would say, if Emily's sister persists in calling and leaving a message is to leave an incredibly brief message that indicates an, a verbal emoji, if it will, a signal that Emily should call her back. And that should just be ping. And that's it. Do you know what I, I, I sort of remember from the early days of answering machines is you would always, always, always state your business at some point, even if it was, hey, I was just calling to say hi. Right. Does that ring a bell? Like, I feel like you you had to, it was sort of the part of the compact of of uh, of of leaving messages was that you had to give a reason. You couldn't just say, call me back. And I wonder if it's because communication is so immediate now that you we kind of get it in our brains. Uh, oh, I know you have a phone on you, so you're going to listen to this right away and you're going to call me back right away. Whereas it used to be in the days of the answering machine. The answering machine right. was there because the person was out and about unreachable by telephone. So you felt compelled to fill them in when they got back to their answering machine. Here's why I am calling. And I feel like the the, the way it should be now is um, it, it's not that if you're already on the line saying, uh, uh, hey, it's me, um, you, you might as well say, call me back about this specific thing or give me a call. There's something I want to talk to you about or whatever. But just the, hey, call me back, I feel is, it's, it's to me, it's, and I don't know if I, if I am justified in saying this, it feels rude. It feels yeah. like it's very, it's very presumptuous, you know? Yes, right. Well, I mean, that because, because the technology is now so immediate, there is usually an expectation. I mean, that if someone calls and says, call me back, it feels as though they're asking you to call them back right away. It might as well be, hey, it's me, call me back, I command you. You know, now that we are all, for the most part, in Western civilization, reachable by phone, mm -hmm. uh, and by email, and by text simultaneously and immediately, it, pro it produces a lot of anxiety because uh, it, we forget that just because so some rando who has our number or our address had it in a mind to press a button once, now we feel compelled <laughs> to jump at their command. But just because some random person has the idea to get in contact with you doesn't mean that you have to be in contact with them at a time that is not of your choosing. We yeah. used to take that for granted. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, I will, I, who knows how long I'm going to be at the store, you know? Mm -hmm. I will call you back when, when the time is right. Yeah. And that's so, the thing. I, I feel like I struggle with that, that I have to remind myself... Oh, I don't have to. I don't have to respond to this immediately. I can. I can do the thing that I'm currently doing, and then when I'm done doing that, I can respond to this person. I think that Emily's sister should stop calling. <laughs> no. uh, I think Emily's sister should do the very least if she wants to reach Emily by phone, as I say. And she gets that voicemail. I don't think she should leave a blank voicemail. I think she should leave a verbal ping, which they know between the means. I'm just calling to say hello. Give me a call when you can. Like, that wastes less time. And it will also alert to Emily that there's nothing more meaningful or serious going on. In this state, in this case, ping is a code for for a pre-arranged bit of business that they that Emily's sister is stating. Does that make sense? It does, but it does not help Emily uh, escape, as she calls her, the, the annoying voicemail lady. And I don't know if she's referring to the pre-recorded message or, right. or, Emily, or her own sister. Right. What I would encourage is Emily's sister to stop calling. I mean, truly. Emily, I would encourage, if it is professionally a possibility for her, should leave an outgoing message saying, Hi, this is Emily. If you are my sister, don't leave me a voicemail. I'm not going to listen to it text me mm -hmm. and then they can arrange a phone date via text which i think is a little bit more 
Convenient. Woo! We covered that one. We sure talked did. about old time technology. Oh. It was good. It was like a it was like a it was like a trip down memory lane, John. Yeah, remember when there were lanes? <laughs> now it's all avenues and boulevards. Let's go Cyber on. highways. Cyber highways. <laughs> Paving the cyber highway of the future. A thing that was a very compelling thing to say in 1999. John, are you ready for the second letter? I am prepared. Mark, with a C, writes, uh. I live in a... <laughs> Thumbs down. I live in a house with two other people. Last year, a new roommate moved in. We have traditionally split the cost of internet between all roommates equally at $20 each. Our new roommate said that she doesn't use internet at all, which was fine. We left her out and split the cost equally between the two remaining persons. Flash forward. And the non-paying roommate... Wait a minute, what's the spontaneation? <laughs> what's the spontaneation sound effect for flash forward? Do, 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 do. And the non-paying roommate is seemingly addicted to watching a streaming service through my own personal account on my gaming system Ugh. using Wi-Fi that she doesn't contribute towards. I tried to let this go, but my queue gets clogged up by her taste in TV and movies. Do I have proper authority to address this issue? And, more importantly, is it worth the hassle to do so? Or should I continue to let myself be taken advantage of? Well, what a non-passively aggressively framed question. Yeah, this Mark <laughs> I wonder how I wonder if he's really interested in both sides of this story. <laughs> I might just feel that he might be genuinely lacking in self-esteem such that he is wondering whether he should continue to let himself be taken advantage of because he poses the question, do I have proper authority to address the issue? I can't imagine someone asking this question unless they are from Canada. That's a crazy thing to ask. <laughs> Mark with a C, it's your house. You predate this person in the house. Yes. You are you are the senior roommate. That's right. Or at least part of the, the tribunal of three senior roommates. That's right. And this person is defrauding you. Yeah. Whether or not she knowingly came in saying, I'm going to trick these guys into letting me use, use their Netflix for free. She also, is, the, the bold the bold and bald-faced lie. Oh, yeah, you know what? I don't use the internet. This right. person moved in last year. Yeah, I don't, I don't use it. I don't use it. Could, I, to, I get why people do. I just don't use it. To be fair, <laughs> they could live in Lancaster County. <laughs> Pennsylvania, and sure. this is one of those Amish roommate situations. <laughs> oh, maybe she's on Rumspringa. Maybe she's on Rumspringa. <laughs> and maybe she was like, I'm going to try this out. I'll probably not use the internet or any buttons. Too proud. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but then she got into it. And now she's going down. Now she's going down a Netflix K-hole. That's right. Like I did at your house when I watched all of Daredevil five times because I kept falling asleep. That's right. the middle of the night. <laughs> and what happened, and this is the other, I mean, yeah, not only is it the bald face lie of using the internet, but it's also the gross, gross offense of using someone else's uh, Netflix, Hulu, whatever streaming account. Yeah. And, and, and messing up all their cues, messing up all their prefs, messing up the algorithm. Suddenly the streaming service is suggesting dumb stuff for them based on what another person likes and messing up their process or their, uh, their, uh, yeah, their progress. I should say, I'll just say it like a Canadian because I'm obviously talking to one, uh, Mark, uh, but messing up their progress through certain shows. It's just, it's just a terrible breach of, uh, of an etiquette that clearly, uh, or an etiquette, as we used to say in 1999, that clearly uh, <laughs> this uh, new roommate uh, has yet to understand. Yeah. And the sure, so to answer your question, of course, you have the authority to call a person a deadbeat and insist that they carry their weight in this domestic relationship. If she just said, you know what, I'm no longer using the lights anymore. And then you would see light coming out of her door every night. You wouldn't just say, what can I do? I guess I'll write into a podcast. You would say, I can see you. You have to start paying part of the electric bill if you want to continue to use this service. And please establish your own streaming media account. Yes. 
There we go. We solved we it. Go. Absolutely. Let's flash forward. Good luck forward. in Canada, you guys. Let's flash forward to the next letter. Woo. Boop, 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 boop. <gasps> oh, spontaneous <laughs> nation sound effect. We flash forward to that period in the far future where we all talk like this. That's right. Future talk. Future accent. Future. John. What? Chris writes, my husband Richard, who has 20-20 vision, likes to collect and wear eyeglasses. He has at least 15 pairs. He considers them his personal accessory of choice. His PAC. That's my words, not Chris. Does he ever, need- have, a, does he ever have a super pack? A super personal <laughs> accessory of choice? That's right. A gigantic <laughs> pair of glasses. I need to wear glasses to see and have since childhood and find his attitude to be ridiculous. I also detect a gleeful button pushing to his eyeglass acquisition. I recently discovered that the most expensive pair he bought cost $450. As someone who actually needs them, I have never spent more than $250 on a pair. Judge yeah, that's, that's, Hodgman. That's beyond button pushing. All right, go on. Oh, oh yes, indeed. <laughs> Judge Hodgman, we have other expenses to worry about, like moving cross country. I ask that you ban Richard from buying these pretend glasses in future. Okay, first of all, let me just say that that is not button pushing. Spending, secretly spending $200 extra mm-hmm. on a thing that you don't need yeah. is pilfering your familial bank account and is thieving. Well, this, is, this reminds me of uh, the fight that my wife and I had over my wheelchair collection. <laughs> well, Paul. Oh. Well, Paul, I was going to say you are perfect uh, for this case because you are a uh, an eyeglasses wearer and yes. a very fine and often ambitious dresser. Um, <laughs> what does with, that mean? Well, I, well that I mean, that sort of sounds like you're trying to tell me something. No, no, it does sound a little weird. You do. You're not an ambitious dresser. You do always manage to get dressed. It's That's not like you're. I achieve like, my goals. Yeah, you achieve your goals. But 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 you are you are. Uh, uh, I don't know. Fashion forward. I mean, look. You 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 came to. You came when we went on the Jonathan Colton cruise together one year. Mm-hmm. You came to formal dinner. Mm-hmm. Wearing basically a, a Dracula medal. <laughs> do you rem- do you remember this, Paul? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> like a big red, red ribbon with a medal. It was a green ribbon. Excuse me. With a silver medal, and I, I was wearing uh, white tie and tails, John. Of course, and, I had to accessorize that way. And do you know what, Paul? You looked spectacular. You 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 love men's fashion. And um, and and you are a, a performer, and sometimes, sometimes, uh, particularly on stage, you'll you'll go big. Yes, and you will not go home. No, right. For, I will do one, then the other. Right, and for that reason, uh, you know, because this guy is accessorizing in a in a in a loaded kind of way. He's wearing glasses that he doesn't need, and so that made you perfect for this. But I had forgotten about your collection of uh, wheelchairs that you do not need because you are a uh, fully uh, able walker. But they're beautiful wheelchairs, John. Okay, so I think I gather from your joke how you feel about this guy's collection before I add in my two cents, which are worth exactly one cent on the current exchange rate. <laughs> what What do you say about Husband Richard? Well, I, I think that wearing eyeglasses that you don't need, uh, as someone who, who needs to wear eyeglasses... I don't know why anyone would want to do that. Because I, 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 a lot of times I want to rip my glasses off my face because I'm tired of them being there. And and it's true that we lack Richard's voice. We lack the why from Richard in this. And I, yeah. I, I was very close to having this be a live case where we would actually have them call in until I uh, uh, read on in, in the complaint and realized uh, that I probably could not tolerate to listen to this guy talk for five minutes. <laughs> Do I betray? Do I betray too much my opinion on this situation? <laughs> That's not for me to say, Judge. Um, so, uh, do you have anything you want to add more before I weigh in? Yeah, I think that uh, the I would be. I find the expense galling as well. Like it's mm-hmm. it's bad. I think it's bad enough that you're doing this in the first place, but then that you're spending so much money on it. 
um, when you when you share presumably share expenses with your with your spouse, um, I, I think that that's um, that's a that's that's a real indulgence. That's a that's a very I, I find that to be a very selfish indulgence. Now they could be fantastic multi billionaires where mm-hmm. money is not an object and it's just the. It's just the, uh, the the principle of the thing. But then it just comes down to the principle of the thing. Yes. And from my point of view, the principle of the thing is this. Paul F. Tompkins, you always look great. Whether you're dressing uh, casual, whether you're dressing up, or whether you're dressing up, up, like wearing a full, you know, Scottish kilt and tartan situation for a performance. Mm. You understand, I, I believe that there is um, a difference between a kind of performative aspect of fashion where you're just going to push it a little bit. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Or try something that is a little weird or out of date. Try up something new. Like that's that's a performative aspect. We all, when we dress up, are dressing up as characters to some degree. Mm -hmm. Dressing up as the people we want to be in life. And sometimes uh, that fashion performance... Uh, becomes a little bit more um, Baroque Whether you are on stage or off But then there is also an aspect uh, Of fashion where Performative gives way to simply Bogus <laughs> where, <laughs> where you are You are wearing uh, something that is Simply not true to you uh, in, in a profound way An example of bogus Would be Um I I I feel safe to say, let's say a uh, a college a a, a, a Caucasian American college student from Nantucket uh, wearing clothes that are typically associated with hip hop. Mm. Bogus. I would say that's a little bit bogus. Do you disagree, Paul? Uh, no, I do right. not disagree. I understand exactly what you're saying. And I would say walking around with a kilt, for example, when you're not performing in Thrilling Adventure Hour, or you have no Scottish heritage, or you are not a cosplayer by, by passion. You're not uh, at a Highland wedding. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's, a, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit bogus. And I think obviously, uh, literally on, semi-literally on its face, <laughs> glasses that you do not need are bogus. They're, you're tricking someone in the world. Yeah. Most of all yourself. That this is a good idea. So Richard... I'm sure you're very angry at me now if you're listening to this at all. But I would say, uh, I think that if you, uh, you should know how at least two humans and probably more feel when they learn that you have a large collection of glasses that are all prescription lists because you just like the way you look. People will think and come to the conclusion that you are going, uh, that that is weird and uh, a deception and a, and a, and a vanity uh, that combined with the incredible cost of your collection feels gross. Not everyone will feel that way, but certainly I do, and Paul does, and your spouse. So at the very least, keep your collection at current status. Certainly feel free to buy uh, old frames from thrift stores, I guess, but knock it off at the $500 frames. And remember that every pair of glasses that you are wearing that have no prescription in them is a pair of glasses that Steve Allen couldn't give to the needy. (laughs) Well, I hope he heard that through his secondhand hearing aid. (laughs) Judge Libby writes, my husband and I often stream movies and TV through our video game system. This system has a voice command feature, which includes commands like rewind, volume up, scroll, pause, etc. I find the voice command system to be annoying and cumbersome as it is necessary to halt conversation and usually requires a long series of commands which are frequently misunderstood and have to be corrected and repeated. I think using the remote is more efficient. My husband enjoys the voice command feature and claims we should keep using it to keep the remote clean of... Paul, Paul, are you okay? Paul, are you okay? I'm very sorry. My husband enjoys... Let me ask you a... Let me ask you a question. Are you... Are you having some kind of uh, a seizure or attack, no, or no. is it simply <laughs> that what come what, that what comes next in this sentence is one of the most profoundly ridiculous examples of husbandly self justification that you've ever encountered in your it's, life? It's up there, Judge. 
My husband enjoys the voice command feature and claims we should keep using it to keep the remote clean of food particles when we eat while watching TV. Oh, I forgot to mention, we eat in a trough. Judge Hodgman, please order him to stop using the feature when we are watching TV together. I'll make an exception for desperate situations like the doorbell ringing. Well, ding well, I don't dong. Know who is ringing the doorbell? <laughs> There's a monster, a very polite monster out there. Wolfman <sighs> calling. Well, ding dong, here comes reality into your and, hus and husband's life, Libby. <laughs> I called him husband. Sure. This that is might, a double. That might be his name. Double perfect case for Paul F. Tompkins because not only is Paul F. Tompkins a great dresser. But I learned from having lived in his home for a period of time this past spring while filming the television show Married, 10.30 p.m. Thursday nights on FX. Watch this time as Bernie, the vice best friend of Matt Faxon for us. After, <laughs> Next in line of succession. After, after Brett Gelman's AJ gets into some more weird hijinks on the actually very funny and great and uh, wonderfully cast show, married on fx at 10 30 but as i was filming that uh that tv show on which i have a recurring role uh and staying at your house uh like a deadbeat uh, i learned something about you that i did not know which was that you had a a, a voice a commanded uh gaming system that's right that you and which you use the voice command to use um yes. and you like to do it correct well I am the Libby in this situation in our household because oh. I will use it sparingly, um, but my wife uh, loves it and uses it all the time. And I have experienced the exact same thing Olivia is talking about where uh, there is a complicated series of commands. The machine doesn't understand at first. You have to keep saying it over and over again. Meanwhile, there is a remote that is right. <laughs> inches away from my wife's hand on the coffee table. And so sometimes I will pick up the remote and just select the thing that she is trying to select because I can't listen to it anymore. Yeah, I think that it is the, the technology as I experienced it in your home was really annoying mm -hmm. um, and uh, and distracting. Yeah, it's and, not all there yet. It's not yeah. all there yet. It's very close. I Sure, and it and it may well be there in the future, and that's fine. But for now, watching a TV show and someone pausing it by going, "Computer, pause," <laughs> is really un really unsettling. Because the the louder the TV is, the louder you have to be, yeah. So that the the video game console can hear you over the show you're watching. Yeah, it 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 sounds like the it makes you feel. Like the person sitting next to you has a neurological disorder <laughs> uh, or may become violent at any time. And yeah. it's just not it's just not relaxing uh, when you're watching your stories. Yeah. So I would say that the the husband in this case, who whose name, I guess, is husband after all, because I can't see it here anywhere. Uh, uh, out of out of courtesy to his not just his wife, but simply other human being neighbors, uh, even. Yeah, should should who are probably well, hearing who are probably hearing stop pause rewind. This court cannot rob a man or a woman from using technology that they bought in the completely uh, uh, compromised way in which it functions if they enjoy that. So if his neighbors have a problem with him screaming all the time. Uh, probably they have problems with him for other reasons too. There's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> probably leaves his garbage cans out too long. But Libby is a person with whom he shares a home and out of consideration to her when they are watching television, as Libby requests, I hereby order him to not do that, not yell at the TV unless under extreme need. And I also order both of them to stop eating food directly over their remote controls. <laughs> Maybe maybe they need to learn how to chew properly. What? They're eating like Cookie Monster, where food is just flying out of the sides of their mouths, getting well, all over the remote controls. Well, because like, like Cookie Monster, they don't actually have esophaguses. Yeah. And so they just got to mash up the cookie until it falls out of its mouth to create the illusion of having eaten.
Oh, what a me one pause now. <laughs> Rewind is a sometimes command. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad. And I got one for my mother-in-law. And it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up, seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Judge, 
Andrew writes, My wife regularly cites rulings by Judge John Hodgman to try to win arguments in our personal lives. I have told her on several occasions that the rulings made by Judge Hodgman apply only to the individuals to whom the ruling was given. Please order my wife to stop citing your cases and our personal disagreements. You know, normally I I don't really like to take disputes that are straight up disputes with the podcast itself. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I bring a case against bailiff Jesse Thorne or Judge John Hodgman or guest bailiff Paul F. Tompkins because of X, Y, Z or... It gets a little. It gets a little meta. Absolutely. Um, but I did make an exception in this case because we do actually have, over the course of the two hundred and some odd episodes we've recorded over the past several years, established essentially a, a body of common law, of settled law, uh, principles and precedents uh, that I will refer to. Uh, as we go forward and which indeed uh, some of the more weirdly obsessive litigants refer to when they call in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I think that it is important uh, to let Andrew know that when I settle a dispute, obviously I am ordering a specific person to do one thing or another. And my order to husband and Libby to stop, eating foods like maniacs over their remote controls is a specific order for them. Um, but for Andrew, I would think to be a fairly strong suggestion. And I think that, but on the whole, there is a body of settled law that I would encourage all people to at least consider in their lives. And here, I, it, it encouraged me to go back and think about what the principles we've settled on are so far on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. So J.J. Ho, settled law. People like what they like. You can't force someone to like something. You can expose them to a piece of work. But if they don't like it, that's the way it is. You can't talk them out of it. This is the Tom Waits principle. <laughs> a machine gun is not a robot. A hot dog is not a sandwich. Those who put in the work... Get to choose first. That is to say, if you're driving the car, you have a priority when it comes to programming what music or words you listen to. For example, if you are making the bed or if you're doing the laundry, your, your decision to do the laundry at a certain time or five times a week is really up to you. Bad, oh, this one has never actually come up on the podcast before and I don't know why. It is a saying that was passed down to me uh, via my wife from my father-in-law. It's something that I believe in strongly, though I've never had the, had the courage to put into effect or say to someone, bad planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. <laughs> there are no demons lurking in wind produced by box fans or air conditioners. Settled law. If you are within 250 miles of a German water park that is housed in a former Zeppelin factory, go to it. Do not not go to it, Pat. You should pay for content, and if possible, pay for it in the way that the thing that you are paying for makes money and is asking you to pay for it. Be mindful of the work you leave for others. Tip everyone, because they are all humans. None of them is garbage. And you are not garbage. So do not eat out of the garbage in Canada or any nation and respect the work that you've done and believe that your content is worth paying for. So charge for your reading series in Portland. Go word Portland. I mentioned that a hot dog is not a sandwich. I'll put it here again. Do not try to weasel out of common sense agreements using pedantry such as this party is on private property so I can wear my fleecy Crocs. Or to say perhaps a hot dog is a sandwich because it is listed on the sandwich part of this one menu that I am sending to you on Instagram right now. <laughs> Although I have to say that someone sent in a picture from Cambodia where a hot dog appeared on the sandwich menu as hot dog sandwich in baguette. And this hot dog is a sandwich because it is 
a hot dog that has been sliced up into a different form and put into not a hot dog roll, but a baguette. I mean, it's literally, you would never call, I will put this picture online. You would never call this thing a hot dog. It is a transformed hot dog that has been made into a sandwich. But even so, you should never say, even if you agree with me that a hot dog is not a sandwich, you should never say, I will not pay for this hot dog because it appears on the sandwich menu and we all know that a hot dog is not a sandwich and I will not pay for something that doesn't exist. This argument has not been made, but I am certain it will be made to me in an email soon. Because this speaks to the overall rule of the Judge John Hodgman podcast, a podcast that exists to settle disputes. Do not seek out disputes in life. You'll have plenty of them. Don't look for fights. Don't especially look for fights trying to be on a podcast. And especially, especially don't look for fights and disputes in your life because you are obsessed with always being right because the truth is you are mostly wrong. We all are, and especially you, Andrew, right now. Ooh, in your face. Andrew. That guy got faced, Judge, by you. Yeah, yeah. On the principles of Judge John Hodgman, if your wife says this is settled law, yeah, it's settled law. Proof of that is that if you called in and tried to bring this dispute and I'd already settled the premise underneath it, I would not hear your case. I think that a lot of times what we are looking for is for someone to back us up so that we don't have to do things differently than the way we've always been doing them. Because it's scary sometimes to to make a change in our lives or to to learn a new thing or to have to stop and correct behavior or whatever. And it would be it would be so great to have somebody say, no, 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 you're absolutely right on this and you don't have to do anything differently at all. But really, most of the time, what it comes down to is being mindful of other people's feelings. And sometimes in order to do that, you have to not be able to just uh, indulge every impulse that you have whenever you have it. That you have to say, oh, this is what I would like to do right now, but that negatively impacts this person that is close to me in some way. Well, that's very nice of you to say, Paul. The truth is that this podcast is dedicated to uh, providing a voice and, and strong support for fully 50% of the people who call in and then is dedicated to yelling at the other 50%. But you know, yelling is helpful too, because I would say the people who, who, who become most surprised, uh, by the opinions of other people are those people who have through circumstances in their life, maybe they've been alone for a lot of their life. Maybe they've been single for a lot of their life and now are encompass, uh, engaging on new adventures with spouses or roommates or whatever just haven't had their stuff reality checked for a while. Mm-hmm. And having your stuff reality checked for a while is a really good thing. I think I, I gain from it and seek it in my life quite a bit. It's painful, uh, but we grow. So that's why I yell at you guys. And that's why I'm yelling at you, Andrew. I'm right. And you're wrong. Listen to your wife. <laughs> well, judge, that is all we have for today. Well, Paul F. Tompkins, what a pleasure is always to speak to you, whether it's on this podcast, whether it's on your great Spontanean Nation podcast, uh, upon which I had the pleasure of being a, a guest not too very long ago, uh, to share uh, occasionally the privilege of sharing a stage with you, um, as we are doing soon here in uh, Brooklyn, New York, when mm-hmm. when the, uh, the, the various scattered pieces of the gigantic entertainment Voltron that was Thrilling Adventure Hour reassemble... <laughs> At the Bell House for Super Week, I'm sure every show is sold out a dozen times over, but... I think there are still some tickets left to the uh, the Work Juice Players Improv Show and maybe some for the, the Sparks Nevada uh, show as well. Okay, so if people wanted to buy those tickets, since we, since we both work for those guys... <laughs> yeah. Uh, where would they go? Uh, I think they would go to thrillingadventurehour.com and they will find uh, a ticket link there. And those shows are uh, Thursday for the improv show and Friday for the um, for the Sparks Nevada show at the Bell House. And those improv shows, we've, we've done a few of them. They're always a lot of fun. It's a really, 
I have to say, it's an, it's a really top-notch group of improvisers and uh, and a lot of fun. And, and our non-improviser friends will be doing monologues for the show, uh, as well as uh, uh, your friend and mine, uh, Gene Gray, a uh, friend of the show, uh, occasional guest bailiff, um, mm-hmm. will be doing monologues for our improv show. So that, that is going to be a very fun night. Well, I absolutely encourage people to go uh, to that website and buy tickets and see you and us there. But in the meantime, bring it more closely to home. Paul F. Tompkins has a podcast called Spontaneous Nation that is simply burning up the podcast charts. They can't. <laughs> the charts are virtual, so nothing really burns. But it it is it has been the the podcast revelation of the year to me, and I enjoy it so much. Uh, Paul, uh, I encourage everyone to go over there and subscribe right away, right away to the Spontaneous Nation podcast uh, at at, uh, at iTunes, whatever podcatcher you might use, howl.fm. Is that the the thing that Earwolf is doing? Is that correct? That's yes, they're doing that. But you can also it's it's free every Monday um, uh, via Earwolf. So you can uh, catch new episodes every Monday. That sounds fantastic. And then there are live shows once a month at Largo, as we discussed. That's right. The next one is uh, Saturday, October 3rd with uh, Drew Massey, Colleen Smith, and Victor Yared from my TV show, Know You Shut Up. Uh, they're fantastic improvisers. And our special interview guest is Susanna Hoffs of The Bangles, who is absolutely wonderful. And we will be performing a number together. Now, if you are listening to this uh, at this moment, you missed my shows in Minneapolis and Toronto and elsewhere. Fools. But... But despair not, or maybe you didn't miss them. Maybe you went and saw them and really enjoyed them. Maybe you did the right thing and you enjoyed them. And then you went onto social media and said, hey, everybody who's in Seattle and Portland and San Francisco uh, and Orlando and North Carolina, why don't you go see John Hodgman soon? He's coming to your town. Uh, This has been a little bit long for a tweet, but still I, and then you get cut off. (laughs) For that indeed is what I'm doing. I am... Closing out my vacation land tour over the next couple of weeks. This is my one man show of comedy stories uh, about river witches, Cairns, Maine, and the entire world. And you can see it still in Vancouver on October 13th, Seattle on October. Excuse me. I don't have a show in Seattle, much to the much to my dismay and uh, the all the people on the Internet who believe that I control the booking of all the venues in Seattle. <laughs> I will have an off day in Seattle. We'll see what comes up that day. But I will be in Portland, Oregon on the 15th uh, Thursday. That is a sold out show. So if you can't uh, get into that one, come see me either in Vancouver or San Francisco on the 16th of October. A little later on in October, I will be in Orlando, Florida on the 23rd. That's a Friday. And then on the 24th, we'll be uh, rounding it out, closing it up, shutting it down, and setting my clothes on fire at the Carolina Theater in Durham. North Carolina. Boy, what a beautiful theater. All these places uh, are going to be a really good time. And of course, I will be meeting and greeting any humans who want to be met or Gret after the show and signing vacation land posters, which you can get at topatico.com or buy them in limited numbers at the venues. And, and that's posters by Adam Hughes, incredible artist. And it's just been really fun so far. And I hope we can see you uh, before too long because it is better when you are there. You can't say fairer than that, Judge. Let me tell this to the people. Wait a minute. I, I can't say fairer than that. I just did. Oh. Ha ha. I stand corrected. No, you go say what you were saying. I've... Listen up. If you have a case for the judge, submit it at www.maximumfun.org slash J-J-H-O. I have been your guest bailiff, Paul F. Tompkins. Julia Smith produces the show. Mark McConville is our editor. Thank you for joining us for the Judge John Hodgman podcast. And now what we're going to do is we'll just have the camera go back and our voices will go down and you and I will just chat for a little bit as the oh, audience sure. applauds. Absolutely. So, you know, Paul, that was a really great show. Thank you so much. Uh, for rhubarb, really, rhubarb, uh, rhubarb. God, watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.